Greetings. It's time for Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. The topic for today's broadcast is the Universalist story. Please welcome Reverend Thomas Perchlick of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. There is a history, there is a story of power, of significance that you need to know. There's a story of universalism. Within all religions, there is small u universalism. That kind of universalism is the idea that within my religion, what is true within my religion is present in all the other religions of the world. That there are universal truths common to all human beings, available to all human beings. And any religion has this, an understanding that there are certain things that are universal, as well as partial or particular revelations, truths that are true with only that one religion. But within Christianity, universalism took a very unique form. The central question of Christianity is, what must I do to achieve salvation? central question of Christianity is about salvation. And so universalism within Christianity took form around the idea that all, all souls will be saved. Draws in Jesus who spoke about all nations being drawn to him on the cross. Paul speaks of the time when God will be all in all and that Christ came that all would be saved. And there were schools of Christianity. It was a fairly dominant idea within Christianity for the first two, three hundred years. The Alexandrian school all around the city of Alexandria deeply developed the ideas of universalism. And one of the most powerful, influential, still very, very important Christian thinker was a man named Origen. Origen, brilliant, creative, logical thinker, developed a lot of understandings of Christian doctrine. And he also held this belief, looking at his understanding of God's nature as love, God's nature as all-powerful, God's nature as all-purifying, God's nature as more eternal than anything else, more eternal than and, and beyond time, more eternal than sin, more eternal than evil, stronger than all of those. Because he affirmed all of this about God, And because he drew upon the scriptures, his logical conclusion was that all would be saved, that all of humankind would be brought back into reconciliation with the loving power of God. Throughout Christian history, the universalist understanding of Christianity has risen and fallen with the times in dark fearful and oppressive times. People have become more divisive, more exclusive in their notion of Christianity, clinging to the the small group of those who would be saved as if they were uh, clinging to a board left over from a, a wreckage of a ship. But the broader vision of universalism has always risen up again. There was a man named John Murray in the late 1700s who caught the vision, the spirit, the power of universalism. It's a time when Calvinism, Calvinistic doctrine was, was rising high within Christianity, fear of, of those who were condemned to be burned forever, that we are all predestined and could do very little to escape this damnation. 
And it was in this context that John Murray, being an ardent uh, Christian, heard of universalists and decided to go argue against them, to convince them of the wrongness of their beliefs. But when he engaged in debate, he found it turning into dialogue, and he found them actually winning the debate and convincing him of the idea of universal salvation. When he came to America, he had uh, not planned to form another church, but the story is that he stepped off on American soil. Uh, The ship that he was on had gotten stuck, and they had put some of their supplies and cargo onto a smaller little sloop, and the big ship had drifted away free from the sandbar that had stopped it, but the little smaller ship was stuck on the wrong side of the sandbar because of the wind. And so John Murray had gone on land to find uh, some help for the boat to get it up to New York City. And he stepped off on a place called Good Luck Point in Barnegat Bay. And there he met a, a Quaker Universalist named Potter. And Thomas Potter had built a meeting house and was waiting for God to send him a preacher. And when he talked with John Murray over dinner, he knew that God, this was the preacher God had sent. And he said, God will not change the wind until you preach on universalism in my meeting house. And so it was that John Murray began a lifelong career of speaking and encouraging the universalist ideas in America. Late in his life, when he was speaking to a group of seminarians, he said these words. He told them, go out into the highways and byways. Give the people something of your new vision. You may possess a small light, but uncover it. Let it shine. Use it in order to bring more light and understanding to the hearts and minds of men and women. Give them not hell, but hope and courage. Preach the kindness and everlasting love of God. Light, understanding, hope, courage, kindness, and love. These are the hallmarks of the universalist faith. In the very early days of Muncie, universalism was present. There's a man named Goldsmith Gilbert. He's the founder of the town of Muncie. He was a universalist. He purchased and donated all the original town lots. And later his daughter was very active in the church as well. The founding of a universalist church in Muncie was due, however, not to Goldsmith Gilbert, but to a man named Samuel S.I. Watson, Samuel Watson. He loved discussion. He was always ready to defend the oppressed. He was always quick to defend what he thought was right and true and good. And when he believed that the time was ripe for harvest, he engaged a Reverend B.F. Foster from Indianapolis to come up and hold a couple meetings in Muncie. And the result was the Universalist Church. A meeting was held in 1859 in Muncie with the idea that uh, the liberal sentiment might erect a hall where free speech would be tolerated, where there would be dialogue and a diversity of viewpoints raised. The Universalist Church that had been formed uh, got the idea that they could take over that building for certainly the ideas of a liberal sentiment and spirit and openness to, to new ideas was part of the Universalist faith. But those who were trying to create the liberal hall were more political in nature and 
rejected the Universalist request, and so they decided, the Universalists decided they had to form their own building. There was a man, uh, Watson, of course, Samuel Watson, and Thomas Kirby, who was a store owner and hotel owner, uh, found Adam Wolf of uh, being of like mind. Adam Wolf was an early banker in Muncie. And the three of them helped develop the early idea of creating a building and were part of the original building committee. And soon a building was erected in uh, 1860. It's dedicated on September 9th, 1860, a simple little white building, though it had, it was said that it had the tallest steeple in all of Muncie. Only about 3,000 people in the city then. People like uh, Jacob Weiser, for whom the Weiser Street is named, and uh, Alfred Kilgore, for whom uh, Kil Kilgore, or 32, Highway 32, is, is named. Both were members of the early Universalist Church. Universalist affirmed Jesus as the Son of God. And more importantly, they affirmed the unity of God, the one God over all things whose nature is love, they said, and who will finally restore the whole family of humankind to holiness and happiness. The Universalist Church experienced some prejudice. People who believe in condemnation, who believe in an exclusive and narrow salvation, practiced their religion fully by condemning the Universalists who were too broad, too open-minded. Universalists believe in judgment. They believed in the judgment of God, believed in hating sin, but they believed that love and communion and community would always be greater, always be more powerful. In summer of 1913, the city of Muncie held a Sunday school contest. See how many people could, they could bring into Sunday school. Over a quarter of the city ended up participating in this contest. And it was said that the stalwart universalists, the universalists were always at the forefront, most active in drawing people in, motivated by love of truth and not fear of punishment they upheld a religious vision that was inspiring to many, including the Ball brothers. Ball brothers came in. E.B. Ball married uh, Bertha Crosley, who was the daughter of the first minister. And later, uh, Frank Ball married into a universalist family. And both were very active members of the, of the universalist church for quite some time. The church of the Universalist was completely remodeled in 1900, made a much bigger terracotta brick and Doric style with these blue domes. It was a lovely building downtown on Madison and Maine, on the corner of Madison and Maine. It's now a Cintas uniform shop there, an ugly wall of brick, but at that time it was a gorgeous building, a beautiful testament to the culture and the qualities that the Universalist wished to nurture in Muncie. Over the years, the Universalists took striking positions. There was a man named Hersey, uh, Henry Adams Hersey, a minister of the church, who during the early 20s was one of the few ministers who was one of two ministers who were willing to publicly and continuously speak out against the Ku Klux Klan when it was at its height in east central Indiana. For the Universalists affirmed the worth and dignity, the inherent worth and dignity of all individuals. 
1968, the old building downtown finally was beyond repair, and the Universalist Church moved out into the woods because the vision of the Universalist Church had again grown large, not simply seeking the universal salvation through Jesus Christ, but seeking salvation of all the world, the natural world and all of humanity, seeking a a broader vision of religious unity and religious pluralism. You'll see now in the building there many different windows, stained glass windows representing many different religious traditions, communicating the idea that the light of ultimate truth as the light of the sun shines through different windows, different perceptions. Though the windows are many, the light is one. For a while, the Universalist Church has been somewhat hiding out in the woods, but now we are coming out of the woods, again testifying to the love, to hope, to courage, to human worth and dignity, and encouraging all of Muncie to catch the broader vision of Universalism. for listening to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship with content and financial support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and technical support from radio stations WCRD and Work FM. Most importantly, we thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolfe, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening, and have a pleasant week.